This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all the Polly Pockets, cucking couples, and non-mananimals. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. No, non ma non-mananimals. I think that kind of where I tried. I tried with that one. Hi, everybody. How you doing? This week, everybody, and next week, we got a two-parter, my conversation with Franklin Vo, the, uh, the, one of the co-authors of the book, More Than Two, and oh boy, are we going to talk about him and all the stuff going on around him in a little bit. But first... Well, there's really only one date that really matters, and it's July 3rd. That one was my and Megan's anniversary. Uh, woohoo! Billy kept another one around for a whole year. Look at me! Yes, last weekend, Megan and I, aka Miss Giggles, we uh, celebrated a full year of me not fucking this thing up. And it was quite lovely. Uh, shout out to every, all the, the Instagram folks who who showed us some love. Right before recording this, I was actually uh, uh, setting up and listening to my brand new record player. I have records now. I mean, they're records that used to belong to my mom that I found in an attic, but I have records, and now I have a thing to play them on. I am told that my mom's record collection is quite good, uh, even though we couldn't salvage everything from the attic. Oh, gosh, this will break some of y'all's hearts. So, like, I go up to the attic because I was asking my mom if she had records and she's like i do but they're somewhere in the attic i don't know i go up there i find the box uh, i ignore all the mouse droppings and i take them out and we're going through them uh in megan's record player just to test out which ones are too far gone and which ones are still good to go and oh gosh this was heartbreaking my mom had an original beatles white album but that album, the record was, the vinyl was so far gone, unplayable. How, oh, I've heard such great things about this band, the Beatles. I was so looking forward to listening to one of their tunes. Luckily, she had some other really dope stuff. She's got the, she got the Van Halen. She had the Bruce Springsteen live at Asbury Park. She got Blondie. She had a, she had, uh, as Megan, as Megan referred to it when she was going through the record collection, she's like, "Hey, Bo Bobby's got a lot of people of color in her records. Good for her." <laughs> My mom's in her late fifties. Okay, we didn't we didn't know what her sensibilities were. No, um, 
I was in uh, my favorite record uh, to find in that box was uh, an OG soundtrack vinyl of Rocky Horror Picture Show. And you know that was the first one I played. Still waiting to interview Susan Sarandon. She's always invited. She dressed up for me. We went out for a really, really nice uh, steak dinner. We watched the Hamilton. We had some good-ass anniversary sex that rocked my world. We shared how much we mean to each other. I wrote her, I wrote her an, uh, a nice little haiku. She says she falls in love with me more and more every day. Should I believe her? I think so. I think so. Before we get to this week's guest, the controversial Franklin Vo. Um, before I get canceled and told I'm a terrible human being for talking to him, I wanted to read a couple of your emails that would counter that opinion that say I've maybe done a couple decent things. Okay. Slash, I just like reading your emails. This one comes from Jared. The title is Ep298. Uh, for those of y'all who don't remember, Ep298, that was with uh, comedian Rachel McCartney. He writes, hey, Billy, finally catching back up on the pod. Loving it, but wanted to write you about this episode. Just wanted to say thanks for constantly sticking up for the bi people and those discovering their sexuality. As a bi dude, listening to this episode was rough. (laughs) Even with her saying that bi women are real a couple times, she came off as really dismissive and insensitive. She has the same opinion I have seen many, many times from the gay and lesbian community. I honestly think they might be uh, the worst when it comes to biphobia and bi erasure. Also, just because a bi person doesn't want to have sex with you doesn't mean they aren't bi. That's that's just such a toxic view. And I have 100% had sex with people I didn't want to just so I wouldn't have to defend the legitimacy of my sexuality again. If people are pretending to be bi, to be cool, or whatever, that's shitty. But for some people, figuring that shit out takes time. Anyway, thanks, man. I felt like I had you in my corner the entire time without you attacking her. Big props for that. Hope you're keeping safe, etc., etc. Regards, Jared. Sip! Uh, I am sipping whiskey out of one of my birthday presents from Megan, a, a pineapple sippy cup. Uh, look, Jared, glad you felt backed up. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad you felt validated. You are valid by people, pan people, uh, people who switch which word they use for themselves, either uh, for clout or confusion. It doesn't really it's really just none of my business to tell you whether or not you're bi or gay or straight or whatever. All you buys, all you tries, all your straights, even the vanilla people, I'll back you the fuck up. Because, uh, you know, what you do and how you do it with whoever is none of my fucking business. Next email. Title is Binged Show a Response. Uh, this comes from Robbie. He writes, Billy, Billy, Billy. I saw a Reddit AMA post from you about the podcast back in April of 2019. I had just gone into a couple podcasts and jumped straight into yours, immediately abandoning the others. Fuck yeah. I'm his primary podcast. Even if you don't believe in hierarchical structures in podcasting, that's important. I just got all the way through uh, to where there are no more episodes besides the ones on Patreon. So I just wanted to say that I really love the show. 
and have a few thoughts after downloading five plus years of your life in one year. Uh, first, you tend to shit on your early episodes. I think you've done a great job keeping a format, style, level of interest, quality of interview, etc. I couldn't call out any episodes being bad. Uh, number two. I disagree with a few minor things here and there, but I had to make a note to remind myself of episode 259 with Blythe Roberson. Uh, if you all don't remember, she uh, Blythe Roberson, she's a, uh, a humor writer who wrote a, a book called um, How to Date Men When You Hate Men. It should come as no surprise based on the title of her book, but it was upsetting how she couldn't even hear you. You handled yourself well, but her lack of ability to empathize at all with a male perspective was bizarre and upsetting. For those who don't remember and check it out, um, in it, her and I were talking about body image, and I was mentioning that men struggle similarly, though sometimes not as drastically. And in, I think she thought I was trying to um, equate them, and I was just trying to raise another topic, and there's a little butting of heads. It's fine. We're cool. Uh, she's, he, he continues only females. Ooh, we don't call them females, dude. I heard that using females as a noun ain't cool no more, but however, he does say males as a noun. So I'm going to keep it in for now. Only females have problems and males have the world handed to them seem to be her stance. She couldn't accept that you or other males ever had body issues. Okay. Uh, number three, it was slightly humorous to me to listen to show dates. That were so far in the past for so long. Yeah, like imagine all of the gigs I had that you missed. Oh, how tragic. Also, remember live show events? Oh, I remember being booked for shows. That used to be fun. (laughs) Next, he says, um, I must say for all your podcast content and how well read you are on subjects relating to sex and love, I have to agree with your ex, Shay that you are or were surprisingly inept at navigating through your own relationships Ooh, dude came in with the hard hits. I don't know why all of a sudden I'm acting like a shock jock. I think I'm trying to overcompensate for crying earlier today. She, it's they, dude. Okay, they mentioned, I'm going to correct these. Okay, they mentioned that of all people, they thought they would be safe and would have a positive reaction to coming out to you. And you completely went off the deep end from the sounds of it. That could be chalked up to a lack of maturity, some area that needs some personal growth or a gut reaction that maybe you regret later. Either way, it sounds like things are pretty healthy with Megan. So way to go. Uh, and if anyone wants to hear that episode with Shay, it's, uh, it's episode 280. Um, lastly, he says, look out for a Patreon donation. I'm pretty comfortable at a dollar per episode, which would get close to $5 a month, especially when you release additional episodes. Well, then, man, I think you should double it to 10 a month because technically you're getting twice. It's fine. I'm happy. Um, maybe that's maybe that is what I'll settle on. I'm also planning a back payment to catch up for all the previous episodes, maybe on Venmo. And I do want to say this this very kind angel of a human, he did in fact Venmo me $327. And fuck, I love this man. (laughs) I think that is most of what I wanted to say after all this time. Keep up the good work, man. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. Holy shit. You're one of fucking those. 
there's some of you freaks out there who y'all binge listen to my life so quickly, and I just think that's way too much Billy Perceta Jr. Not for nothing, but God bless you for it. I'm glad you're digging the show. Thank you for the kind and constructive uh, words, sir. One other thing that made me laugh was a little notification I got on Twitter. Um, someone, uh, some artist at Peak A Art tweets, there's got to be like a porn star podcast where they fuck their guest precast and then talk about it and other stuff in the show. And then at Dina Verge, uh, shout out to Tyler, he, he responds, I mean, I basically assume that's what the Billy Presida is doing. And <laughs> and I'm just, I don't know, like that usually just happens after the podcast and then we never speak of it. But I like this spinoff podcast idea. If I have any porn star listeners, I mean, maybe that's an idea. Maybe that's my mini series into porn is I, I interview porn stars before we shoot something and then we talk about how mediocre I am afterwards. Uh, that's It's usable. Okay. Uh, if you want to send me your comments, your questions, your criticisms, your booby pictures, Emphasis on criticisms after this episode, I'm sure. You can send all that over to manhorpod at gmail.com. And let's just clear, let's cleanse the palate with the fan whore appreciation moment. Okay. This is the part of the podcast where I like to give a few shout outs to the members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Um, Patreon, of course, is a great way to support independent content creators like myself, especially through, uh, you know, such challenging times like right now. Artists are being crushed. I can't do a live podcast. I'm not allowed, and nor should I. Uh, but these wonderful, generous souls help make this show happen week in, week out. So right now, I want to give a shout out to Jess. Oh, gosh, Jess, you left, uh, you know, just right before the monthly man whore munch. What are you doing? You're going to miss it. But we appreciate your support nonetheless. And a thank you to Pearly Sweet Cake, which is also uh, her Instagram handle. And let me tell you, she's got that cake, 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 cake. Wait, what was that? Huh? That's an actual song lyric? I just thought it was being silly and stupid. Oh, maybe that's what that song is. Hey, um, Pearly Sweet Cake, thanks for being a member. Thanks for supporting the pod. People, go check out her Instagram. Hey. And you too can become a member for as little as $2 and enjoy some exclusive sex-positive discussion groups like our secret Facebook group, The Champagne Room, or our super naughty, dirty group chat, The Peep Show. You can become a member right now at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. And now for this week's guest, Franklin Vo. Uh, Franklin is uh, one of the co-authors of the book More Than Two, a book uh, about polyamorous relationships that he wrote with his former partner, uh, Eve Rickert. And he's he's also written a, a memoir of his own. And, you know, honestly, I look, I more than two, so many people in the non-monogamy world have read and found solace in and have found guidance and have found some really, you know, um, powerful concepts and ideas. The, the, the New Testament of the Pali Bible with the ethical slut being the Old Testament, right? Like this is like one of the go-to books on Pali. Typically. And about a year and a half ago, Franklin, the poly guy, 
Right. He uh, he got called out online publicly by his former partner, Eve. Some will say emotional abuse. I will at bare minimum say for being like just a really shitty poly boyfriend. Um, multiple women and people came out and joined Eve in that in, in pointing out problematic patterns of behavior that that Franklin may have as uh, in, in dating. And normally, you know, whatever, there, there are a lot of shitty boyfriends and partners in the world. However, uh, Franklin co-wrote a book on this. Franklin, as you will hear him boast, has answered so many questions. He's had millions of views on Quora and LiveJournal. Um, answering a lot of questions about dating, relationships, love, sexuality, polyamory. You know, so, so when this thing happened, part of me went like <laughs> another, another idol <laughs> fallen. There are no heroes, people. Uh, and then after the momentary shot in for it, I did think like, this is why am I interested in this? Because if it was just some dude who got called out for being like not a great boyfriend, I'd be like whatever. But, but I mean like. Dude, you wrote you co-wrote a book. That's my thought. I'm like, it's it's kind of like when Aziz Ansari got called out. Some will call what he did assault. Some might say just like a really fucking bad first date, and others will say in between. But Aziz, I think, wouldn't have been as much of a news item. I think that would have like came and gone if it was like Daniel Tosh. Cause like our expectations for Daniel Tosh in the dating world and his relationship to women are kind of down here, not criminal, but bad. But Aziz, it's like, dude, you wrote a book and you wrote a book called modern dating, a book called modern dating that like covers consent. So you should be a little better at it. If you're going to put a book out. So similarly, I think, well, like, frankly, you fucking in my mind, I'm like, well, you wrote a book. You should be fairly decent at this poly thing. There was a blog put together, which there was going to there's a link to in the show notes of this episode. Now, to my rudimentary understanding, uh, Eve asked for this woman, Louisa, uh, who I guess was in the sort of in the poly scene and had interviewed Franklin before to interview these other people who were coming out with their stories about their relationships with Franklin and their issues with Franklin and their call outs on Franklin and there's a link in the show notes, but this thing is like an impressive tome just in terms of the scale. There's a lot of fucking reading and you can choose to do it and pause this podcast and come back later or you can just go ahead. She's got these very extensive interviews with all these people calling out similar patterns of behavior enough to make you think that there's something here. And then there's also like a side spreadsheet that has all these like Quora posts and Facebook posts and tweets uh, that are done like after the f it's kind of exhausting but a little bit fascinating anyways i was curious and i happened to be on uh gearing up for my road trip and i was going to be uh, i was going to be in portland which is where franklin lives so uh, i reached out and asked if he wanted to come on the show and he surprisingly agreed i thought he would instantly say no or not even respond but i was like all right i got the interview I, I, I was thinking on my drive up, which was like a nine-hour drive from San Francisco to Portland. I was thinking, what's my job here? I know I commonly say I'm just a comedian with a fuck show, uh, and I try to like abdicate a lot of responsibility. And honestly, I don't think I um, have to be uh, as responsible as, you know, Diane Sawyer. However, you know, I am um, going into something that's going to be a little testy for people. And super testy for others, uh, people who are let down by Franklin, who once admired him and his work. Um, I'm, you know, possibly ripping open a scab for his past partners who 
have already talked openly about this, uh, Eve. So I'm like, okay, like I should definitely read this stuff. That was my prep. Uh, I had some conversations with a, a couple, two members of his survivor pod, uh, of his, his accountability pod. I talked to two people from there to, to get more insight. I talked to Louisa, who is the woman who put together this tome of, you know, testimony and posts and all that stuff. And I talked to another friend who is good with um, transformative justice, restorative justice, and asked her, you know, what she th- how I how what she thinks I should uh, do in this interview. But ultimately, I'm thinking, what's my job? Right? I, I am. I'm not a journalist. Like my job is not to interrogate this guy. My job is not to get a confession or an apology or to get answers, right? I'm not supposed to get some sort of Jack Nicholson red alert moment like, you can't handle the truth. It's also not my job to teach the guy. One, who the fuck am I to teach anyone anything? But also that's just like my my job here, and I want to make this clear for people listening. My job is just to connect, to ask questions, and to get him talking. It is not my job to bring this thing into some sort of conclusion. So I don't do that. If it was my job to do that, I would do that, but it's not my job, so I don't do it. So if it sounds like I'm being chummy, if it sounds like I'm being nice to the guy, if it it sounds like I'm being a civil human, yeah, I am. That's what I'm doing here. Other people's jobs might be to interrogate or to analyze or to whatever. That's just not mine. So I, you know, I met up with uh, Franklin in Portland and I talked to him for over two hours. This is roughly the first hour of that conversation. Next week, you'll hear part two. Um, for those of you who want me to be tough on him and hard, let me remind you that um, I can't just yell at the guy as soon as he sits down. And trust me, in the first 10 minutes, there were times where I was like, you're being frustrating. But, you know, I can't I can't just fucking rail on the dude five minutes into this thing. OK, we have a long way to go. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, I, I will assure some of you that next week there's a bit more pushback than you're going to hear this week. And for those of you thinking this in your head, let me address. Um, I don't really believe in the whole platforming argument, at least not from my point of view. Maybe if you're you know, aiming at the CEO of Twitter or Facebook, that's a little different. But I don't believe in like someone who has a show shouldn't talk to a certain type of person because they maybe did bad things or that they're a bad person. I mean, ABC News is still going to – I mean, they interviewed Bashar al-Assad and he's a fucking monster, right? We don't not talk to people we don't like or disagree with. But I also just don't believe in this idea that, like, I'm giving him a platform. It's, for the most part, you know, for now at least, it's still an open internet. He has his own platform. There is, like, he has the internet. He can start a podcast and do a thing too. So I'm not really, like, gifting him an audience. Um, Not for nothing, his Quora questions have, like, millions and millions of views. And this podcast, I hate to, you know, break this fourth wall. It's embarrassing. But I do not have millions and millions and millions and millions of views. Arguably, he has a bigger platform than me. Uh, And then the other thought is that am I giving, am I only sharing his side of the story instead of the the women and people who have who've spoken up about their experiences where Franklin and I, and I did give that thought, but there's also this massive tome of testimonials. So these people's stories, the survivor's stories, have been told, they have shared them, they are public, I am linking to them in the show notes. Eve is always welcome on this podcast. I only didn't ask Eve to be on because I was not going to Canada and my schedule did not allow for me to take the extra time to go from Portland to Canada 
But Eve, if you're listening, you are always welcome on this podcast. I would love to have you on next time you're in New York or I'm in Canada, whenever borders are open. So those are my thoughts on this episode, why I did this episode, um, some of the preparation I did for this episode. Uh, I appreciate that, you know, some people will not like that I'm talking to them. Honestly, I did a little poll on Instagram and like a good chunk of you don't even know who this guy is. Frankly, I didn't even know who this guy was, you know, until I found out about more than two. Um, I say that as a not famous person. He's arguably, look, I'm saying that uh, I'm calling someone not famous as someone who's not famous. I feel comfortable saying that. Anyways, here we go. This is the first part of my uh, long, sometimes frustrating conversation with the co-author of More Than Two, the reluctant former poly expert, Franklin Vo. Uh, I was in Atlanta before I was here, and then I was in Florida, in Fort Myers, and then um, Tampa before I was in Atlanta. Um, wait, wait, where are you from from, though? <laughs> That's a complicated question. I love complicated questions because it takes up more time than 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, born in New Jersey. Um, You're a Jersey boy? Well, I only lived there for a few months. Um, when I was a very small infant, I moved out of New Jersey, taking my family with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we went to Idaho. And then from there, we bounced all around the American Midwest for a while. Uh, then when I went into high school, we went down to Florida. I was in Florida for forever, most of my adult life. Um, then I moved from Florida to Atlanta and Atlanta to here. Well, how, Franklin Foe, how are you feeling these days? Mm, how are you doing? That is also a complicated question. That's partly why. That's in part why you're here. Uh, you are, you seem to be a complicated person, um, with a lot of sway, or maybe formally sway in the polyamory world. And you know, I've only witnessed some of it from afar online, and only in little pieces like a tweet here, a tweet there. Yeah, it seems like that was, you went through uh, one hell of a 2019, 2018, and 2019 can. Can really suck it. They were not good years for sure. Mm-hmm. How how are you feeling about all of it? Like, where are you at right now? Uh, where I'm at right now is a lot better than I was when all of this mess started, for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I really don't know what to say other than that. I mean, it, I, so I don't know how much you're familiar with me. Um, uh, have you, when I had reached out, had you heard of me before? Uh, only in passing. I I am sorry to say I have never listened to your podcast. That's okay. That's totally fine. Just sometimes within like the sex positive world, like or the, in the sex educator world, someone will be like, "Oh, I think I've heard of you," and I'm like, "Well, it's either really good or really bad." Because <laughs> you know, I I got into uh, you know I got into my own bit of drama uh, about a little over four years ago, maybe five years ago, and uh, you know that was stressful for me. Mm-hmm. That didn't that didn't feel fun. Um, and yours felt like it was a lot more personal because mine was with people I'd never, for the most part, never met. Yours was with a lot of past partners. Mm. Or at least one past partner. And then, you know, I'm not really sure exactly what's going on with the rest of that. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, do you not believe, do you not think that other partners have spoken to them? Um, I do. Okay, I do yeah. think that other partners have um, spoken. Like, there, there were some recordings. So it's yes. like, that would have been a uh-huh. very intricate ruse. Yes. No, absolutely. I do believe that. Um, some of my past partners have spoken. I don't necessarily think that my um, my memory of events doesn't necessarily align, perhaps, with what they are saying. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Okay. So so is the I guess the memory of what they're saying something you are open to finding an in between with? 
I am not going to say that I have all of the answers. Obviously, human memory is fallible. And I will say that I don't remember things the way they are currently being described. Mm. Uh, I will also say that I have done things myself that were really harmful to other people, uh, particularly when my ex-girlfriend Eve Rickert told me to. So it's nice to hear you say that. I mean, what what do you think? Yeah, what do you think you did that caused harm? Well, for example, so um, I was involved with my ex partner Eve for a number of years. We started a couple of businesses together. We wrote um, a couple of books together. Um, she had an ex girlfriend she broke up with, and after she and her ex girlfriend broke up. Her ex-girlfriend published a survivor story about being abused by Eve. Um, she did not publish it as a call-out to Eve. She did not name Eve explicitly. Mm-hmm. But she did say, I was abused. I was abused by a person who was prominent in the poly community. And here's some of the things that happened. And when that came out, Eve recognized that the um, survivor story was about her. And so what she did was she told me and another prominent member of the poly scene, a guy named Pepper, that's actually his name, Peppermint, um, that she wanted to silence her ex-girlfriend. So we got together. We were in Vienna on a book tour when this happened. And Pepper was giving a speech, uh, a workshop actually, about abuse in intimate relationships and about how to respond to abuse allegations. Mm. And then immediately after that, we all went to lunch together. And we sat around the table and we talked about ways to silence Eve's ex-girlfriend to get the uh, abuse survivor story removed from the web to deplatform Eve's ex-girlfriend so that nobody else would listen to her if she talked about being like a little conspiracy Eve. of thieves in a coffee shop. Um, I believed at the time that what I was doing was the right thing to do. And I look back at that now and I can't explain why I thought what I was doing was right. So you wait, but what did what did you do? That sounds like something that you th- that Eve may may have done to one of her past partners to cause harm. But what what is it that you believe you've done? Um, I supported Eve. Um, I sat there in that meeting with Pepper and Eve, and the three of us. Um, and there was another person there as well, Pepper's girlfriend. And I'm sorry to say that I don't remember her name. Um, we talked about ways to discredit her girlfriend. We but disc- this wasn't one of your partners, right? This was not a partner of mine, no. All right. So so wait, so you don't think you've done some sort of harm to harm one of your past partners? I believe that I probably have hurt past partners, yes. Okay. I absolutely have. Like when I asked my ex wife for a divorce, that unquestionably hurt her. Mm-hmm. Um so yes, I absolutely believe that there are things that I have done wrong with past partners. Um I have broken up with partners in situations where I did not give a lot of clarity about the fact that I was breaking up with them, um, which is really not okay to do. I tend to be non-confrontational, so I don't tell a partner, hey, I'm breaking up with you. I just kind of let things fade. And that really is kind of shitty, honestly. Do you view, do you view yourself as non-confrontational only in real life, or do you think that extends to like online? I tend to be pretty non-confrontational generally. And I won't say that's always true. Um, I know particularly in the past and particularly like, you know, in the fairly far past, like the early days of live journal, uh, I was a lot more confrontational online than I am now. Yeah. Well, well, how, how so? 
I, as someone who's, I'm currently getting over my confrontational instincts. I mean, part of the reason I got into big trouble was over like an impulsivity with my thumbs. So honestly, it's the, my, my thumbs are really <laughs> the biggest assholes as part of me. And, um, yeah, I was definitely a very confrontational person. I still am and working on that. Um, I'm also somewhat younger than you, so I'm hoping I can maybe kind of get ahead of that and, and maybe faster. But to what do you, how do you recognize yourself as? Having been confrontational that, online. It started to change. So I used to be particularly abrasive if I thought somebody was saying something stupid or doing something stupid. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's really easy when you're sitting behind a computer and you're not actually face-to-face with somebody to be all, rah, you know, angry typing. Um, I started meeting more and more people that I was interacting with online. Mm. I started going to blog meetups. Um, I started going to like one of the big places where I am active now is a site called Quora. Okay. And I started going to Quora meetups. And I started recognizing that these people that I was being all angry keyboardist at were actually real people, that they weren't just words on a screen. And when I started realizing that I was meeting these people, that I was interacting with them in real life, and that, you know, some of them were becoming part of my social circle and, and my friends, mm. these are people who deserve compassion. And and Live Journal, you know, you've been on Live Journal a hella long time. Two thousand and one. That's you know, it, <laughs> the towers go down. And you're like, I'm gonna go on Live Journal. Uh, that's I mean, just for, you know, for context, Live. Uh, I was in sixth grade. <laughs> um, what what brought you? So you're like in your like late twenties, early thirties, I think, probably around then. So what brought you to Live Journal? At the um, time? this whole new thing called blogging that I had never seen before. Mm. Um, there was a friend in my, um, gaming group and he was actually an old college buddy of mine, um, whose girlfriend had started a live journal blog. And I was like, a blog? What the hell is a blog? What does that word even mean? And so they showed me live journal. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And I started a live journal account and I started putting things on it and I just kind of never stopped. What were you, what were you putting on in the very beginning? Uh, in the very beginning, I was just talking about things that were happening in my life. Um, and then I started talking about uh, my relationships. I started talking about things that I believed. I started talking about um, – I talk about science. I talk about movies. You know, just basically anything that was going on in my life. There was never a theme to it. There was never any kind of consistent sort of, you know – Thematic overtone. Well, when when did poly start to become like a more? Because poly eventually became kind of a theme mm-hmm. uh, over time. How did how does that transpire? I actually started writing about poly on the web in the mid nineteen nineties, so well before I was on Live Journal. Okay, and I was um, making a website that was called zeromag.com because the the same buddy who had introduced me to Live Journal, he was um, he and I also published a small press magazine back in the day that was called Zero Magazine. And so a we, magazine, people uh, for the children listening, was a thing you used to hold in your hands and read about celebrities. <laughs> yeah, basically, old school tech. Yeah, you know, dead trees. Dead trees, printed stuff. Uh, we had these things called advertisements uh, that didn't move. Yeah, it was, a, it was a wonderful time. Yes. Imagine YouTube only without any moving pictures. Yeah, something like that. But we published a small press magazine called Zero. So we put up a website for it that was called zeromag.com, which is still exists. Um, and each one of us put up a small page that was just about ourselves because we were the two editors of the magazine. Mm-hmm. So I put up an about page and he put up an about page. And on my about page, I talked about polyamory. 
And then I wrote a couple of more pages about polyamory. And then I wrote like a glossary of poly terms. And then before I knew it, the site was like this site that you go to for polyamory. Oh, and there's something about some kind of magazine there too. Well, the stuff you were putting on there, like how how much of that was uh, like your experience or were you kind of like taking what – there weren't a lot of poly books. I think The Ethical Slut was maybe the only one. Yeah, the there time. were not a lot of poly books so out like there what, at the time. So what? how are you even putting stuff out there with like I guess the terminology that maybe barely existed? Um, I was writing about my relationships, but I was writing about them in a very abstract way. I was writing mm-hmm. about the lessons that I learned. So I was with – uh, a partner, my first wife, she and I were together for 18 years. Um, our relationship was mon- was um, non-monogamous for that entire time. We didn't have the word polyamory when we this, started. Um, this is uh, the one who goes by Celeste. Celeste, that's yeah. correct. Just for just so uh, I think it's just as a better practice. So let's just if there are people that are in the blog, let's try to go with those pseudonyms. Just because, mm-hmm. from my understanding, all of them. Are pseudonyms? Except they are all pseudonyms, but I don't remember all the pseudonyms. Sure, and 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 I'll try to cross-reference. But if you can remember them, um, we'll try to use those. Yeah, and if you you don't know who I'm saying, just feel free to ask. If I say Amber, and you're like, "What?" I'll 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 try to clarify. Just I think that'll be the better practice for us to do. I remember Celeste and Amber. I don't remember what the other pseudonyms are. But yeah, uh, Celeste and I were together for 18 years. Uh, She identified as monogamous, even though during that time she had other lovers and uh, other boyfriends as well. How did how did she? Identify as monogamous if she was being non-monogamous. That is, I mean, well, I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, I know it seemed like she may have had other partners and all, but I mean, I assume you maybe instigated the non-monogamy part. Oh or? God, no. no, 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 no. She actually had an outside partner before I did. After gotcha. we started dating, okay. Um, she uh, actually almost started dating my best friend right before she and I started dating, mm-hmm. and it was very much a toss-up about which one of the two of us she was going to end up dating. And so after she and I officially started dating, she and he were lovers for years. Yeah. So you're you're on zero. You're on zero, and you're putting all this stuff uh, about Polly. You're in. I, I guess I'm. Just, I'm just doing math. So I'm assuming like mid twenties, early twenties in the mid nineties. Um, mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah, mid twenties. So I mean, like, wh- I remember the mid nineties and computers. I remember that was considered like a odd thing at the time mm-hmm, like for sure were, were, were you at social were you out and about like oh, why, yeah. Yeah, why yeah, were yeah. you at home typing on keyboards instead it wasn't the common thing at, at the time oh yeah i was also very social and we had um quite a an active social life celeste and i it was actually a lot of fun um but i was really into computers from i got my first computer in 1977 mm. so i have always been an early adapter and um, I got into this whole, you know, internet. Well, it wasn't even called the internet then, but I got into this whole computer networking thing when I went away to college in 1984. Mm. So back then it was still called ARPANET rather than yeah. internet. And then I started getting active on the web in 1992 and started actually learning how to do web design and teaching myself HTML in, I want to say, 96-ish or so. Mm-hmm. How'd, how'd you meet Celeste, by the way? Uh, we met at a McDonald's. <laughs> I kid you not. I mean, just not for nothing. I would have warned you that like any relationship that meets at McDonald's will end in divorce. Probably also at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not necessarily no. true. There's some awesome people that I met while I was working at McDonald's. Oh, this is good while you were working yeah. at McDonald's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was she an employee or was yeah. she a customer? Mm-hmm. No, she was an employee. Okay. She was just like, hey, pass me those fries and give you a wink? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, it was actually... We didn't like each other at first. It was one of those movie things where, you know, the two people hate each other when they first meet and then they sort of grow together. It was one of those. 
we also see the falling apart. Yes, yeah. exactly. How how old were you when you when you two got divorced? Um, we were together for eighteen years, and we got together when I was nineteen. So, um, okay, yeah, whatever the math is. Gotcha. I am really bad with time. Yeah. Time and direction. My direction sense is a bit rubbish too. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, tell me more about that. <laughs> if it wasn't for GPS, I would never be able to find my way anywhere. I can get lost in a neighborhood that I've lived in for years. You can mm. find your way through a whole page of code, but you can't like get your way around the block? Bingo. Wow, man. Gotta get out more. <laughs> well, we can't be good at everything. And my my direction sense has always been shit. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, I mean, can't be good at every, everything. Do you consider yourself good at dating? I don't. I, I don't know why she's still here. Uh, my <laughs> girlfriend's in the other room. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what you, so the, or actually the origins of this show is that women would sleep with me, but they wouldn't date me. Mm-hmm. And I want to find out why, because like I want a relationship because apparently I'm like professionally bad at dating. <laughs> like that's, so that's just to give you an idea. Like my brand is I already accept that like I suck at this to an extent. Um, you know, it, it's from what I've read from your live journal stuff, like when I poked around a bit, seems like, you know, speaking from such a sense of authority, you believed yourself to be very good at dating. I believe that I'm okay at a lot of things. I don't know if I would call dating one of them. I definitely don't think I'm an authority. But but you did write with a sense of authority. I, I mean, because I've read some of the things you've written, and they, they're, they're almost... I mean, you were on a live journal giving advice to people, like answering questions. I, eh, I don't know that that's necessarily no. true. I call things the way I see them. Other people, some people find them, the things that I say, useful. Mm -hmm. And that's cool if they find them useful. I've had people say, oh, yeah, this thing that you said, it was amazing. I'm like, oh, cool. Some people think that I'm full of shit. And that's cool, too. Um, You know, what what drove you to these places? Because you were asking, you were answering like a lot of questions. You have like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like hundreds of millions of views on your posts on LiveJournal. And on Quora, yeah. Um, I go on to forums because I always have. Um, I was using BBSs in the late 70s, so mm. I've it's always been a part of my life. And um, like I said, some people find the things that I say useful, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I certainly would never say, oh, yeah, you have to do it my way because, you know, I'm the guy who tells you that I'm the authority or whatever. You, you, know, you never like called someone like stupid for thinking that, you know, uh, for, I guess, like having a different point of view on there. I won't say I've never called anybody stupid. Um, I generally don't call people stupid. I think that there are ideas that work and ideas that don't. Hmm. Uh, and I think that some ideas work for some people and don't for others. Um, I certainly have called some ideas stupid. Like, for example, I think the idea that you shouldn't vaccinate your kids because vaccines cause autism is stupid. Well, we can definitely agree. And I, I feel comfortable saying that's a stupid idea. I am not comfortable saying, oh, well, you should do your relationship this way. And if you don't, you're stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. When, when you, so when like the call out happened about a year ago, it's like multiple partners coming out, past partners coming out with their experiences, we'll just say, um, you know, and, and for anyone who hasn't like read Jesus, there's a lot <laughs> to read. Um, so I was, I was just like, just skip ahead to a point where it's like, um, Franklin's not accused of any sort of like physical consent violations. I just want to like clarify that. Cause I think in this world, sometimes the language can get a little warped and we don't know what we're actually talking about. So we say like abuser and, 99% of people, you hear the word abuser, we have a, a image in our head. And that's not necessarily the image we're talking about. The, you know, people are talking mm-hmm. about more emotional abuse and, and things like that. You know, what, how did it feel to 
read that to get hit up with that. It's not like they all hit you up privately. They'd be like, hey, look, we had these issues. It's kind of like out of the left field. It was weird. It was like I fell through into an alternate reality. And I get it because when we were all sitting around the table talking about Eve's ex-girlfriend, one of the strategies we talked about is let's talk to other people and see if we can get them to say bad things about her. To get them to say bad things or um, to discover if there are other bad things. We were definitely leaning toward get them to say bad things. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of parts to that. You seek out specifically people who you think might have bad things to say. You encourage them to say the bad things. And then you distort, spin, and exaggerate those bad things as much as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, uh, he yelled at me once. He's an abuser. Right? You go from a specific event, he did this one thing, to a character trait. He is this thing. Mm. And so a lot of it was that. Um, a lot of it was very, very careful tailoring of the stories. Um, I did read one of the stories where Celeste- Are we still on the 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 the, the, no. cons and, the, no. the conspiracy of thieves with Eve, or are we back to you? No, your back program? to the, the stories that people were telling about yeah. me. Because I, um, well, cause not, not for nothing, I, you know, it would be disingenuous to suggest that, it, you know, and I, and I read it, and look, I trust me, I find people in this world to be not too sensitive, but on the more sensitive side of things. Um, I, you know, one of the people who is involved with that blog, you know, suggested that emotional abuse is like just as bad as physical abuse. And I'm sorry, I just don't believe that. I'm not going to tell her she's wrong. I'm just going to say like, I disagree. I will always believe that punching someone in the face is worse than, you know, saying nasty words to their face. That's just, that's just me. That's just how I view the world. But that's not the case here. It's not like anyone said, no one in all of that stuff said, here's one action, therefore abuse. That was never the case. There was a lot of people saying, sharing their stories, and there from those stories, there were overlaps, overlaps mm -hmm. with different people that suggested like a pattern of behavior. Well, I, like I said, I think a lot of the stories were very carefully tailored uh, and very carefully sort of curated. Mm -hmm. For example, one of the stories that I do remember reading is Celeste was like, oh, yeah, Franklin yelled at me on the phone. And that did happen. That is true. Okay. I did yell at her. I should not have done it. But it was also, stupid. Yeah, that happens in relationships all mm -hmm. the time. Um, but like, I've definitely yelled at partners on the phone. I've had partners yell at me on the phone. I think we can all agree raising your voice in heated moments is something that happens in relationships. I don't think anyone, I think your reasonable human is not going to just <laughs> jump to abuse there. But what's interesting about that particular story is that um, I found it telling because in the 18 years that we were together, that was like the time that I yelled at her. Mm -hmm. But what the story doesn't say, well, why did it happen? Right? Like, I don't yell at partners. This is not a thing that yeah. I do. So something strange must have happened there. Sure. But at the same time, like, I would, I would never, br I would never bring up, uh, I I'll put it this way of all the things I read, I never thought I would bring up the story about the one time you yelled at Celeste. That is, like I said, I think most people will mm -hmm. agree that that just happens. I don't fixate on that. I would fixate more on things like, you know, um, like something that jumped out to me was the the uh, the condom usage. That was something that personally jumped out to me because that's definitely something I, I take seriously in my relationships mm -hmm. is in fluid bonding. I mean, my dick is kind of part of my job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I try to take care of it. In a couple of the testimonies, it said that like, you didn't, didn't want to use a condom with Elaine, I believe is the pseudonym. When you were flu bond with Celeste, but you didn't ask Celeste, and Elaine's like, well, if you asked Celeste, and you were like, yeah. 
Well, so that's that's an example of the kind of careful um, tailoring that I'm talking about. And the reason that I bring up the yelling, and this is a very similar situation, I did yell at Celeste after we separated. And then when I was out of town on business, she broke into my house, stole a bunch of my electronics and sold them all to buy a computer. And then I yelled at her. And things change when you have that context, right? But again, to me, like, honestly, I never even focused on the yelling part. Uh-huh. Well, and the condom usage is a similar thing, right? Oh, Franklin didn't want to use a condom. Well, that's really dis- you know, disrespectful and, and uh, irresponsible only, of only, him. Only disrespectful and irresponsible in the context of I'm married to someone I'm fluid bonded with and I have not cleared with them not using condoms with this person over here first. That's the only context. If, if someone wants to be irresponsible with their dick, like, that's your dick to be responsible mm-hmm. with. It's I find it to be a problem when it involves other people. Yep. And I think that is completely reasonable. And um, Elaine and I had exchanged emails and we talked about, you know, some of the things that we wanted to do together, which um, I believed indicated that she was okay with not using condoms. And I mean, I went it seemed like even in the it. story that Elaine was okay with not yep. using condoms. I'm talking about Celeste. And too. then I went to <laughs> Celeste after those emails and I was like, okay, these are the things that I'm thinking about doing with Elaine. Mm-hmm. And I had thought that, you know, when I described the things with Celeste that I was thinking about doing with Elaine, that it was clear that this was the case. And she had a different idea about that. So, you know, then, you know, Elaine and I spent time together and then this happened. And then Celeste was like, oh, my God, you didn't use condoms. I was like, yeah, I had thought we'd discussed that. And obviously we didn't. And so I learned from that. And one of the things that I took forward from that experience Mm. was I never want to do this again ever. Like I believed that Celeste and I were on the same page. I was wrong. All right. I screwed up. I owned it. I apologized to Celeste for it. And I said, this will never happen again. And all of my relationships since then, I have always been extremely clear, not only with the person that I'm having sex with, but with everybody in my network, not just my other lovers, mm-hmm. but also their other lovers, sure. because I want to make sure this screw up never happens again. So it sounds like you you learned from an experience yes. and tried to do better moving forward. Exactly. So was there anything from all the stuff that you read last year that you were like, yeah. I mean, and I'm not talking small things like I yelled at you know Celeste on the phone once. I'm talking like, is there anything is there anything you saw there? Really, we you had to take a step back and go. Okay, like I need to take and and then maybe have since improved for the relationships you're currently in. Well, since all of this has started, I have done quite a lot of work to try to to make sure that, number one, did I do anything wrong? Number two, if I did do anything wrong, how can I make sure it doesn't happen again? So, for example, since all of this started, I've started seeing a therapist. Oh, good for you, man. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that this was a a therapist who is not a cishet white dude. Okay. So What what informed that decision? Um, because I didn't want to run the risk of having somebody just echo back to me and say, oh yeah, you know, you're just a normal dude. You're, you want you're totally okay. I want somebody who's going to call me on my shit. I want somebody who's not going to let me get away with anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And I want, uh, I want somebody who's actually there to help me be a better person. And so I deliberately looked for a therapist who I believed number one would have a point of view that was different from mine. And number two would call me on my bullshit if I tried to do any bullshit. Do you feel like the people in the, I don't like saying Survivor Pod, because not everyone involved in it was like that, but the, just the people involved in the call out, whether it's the the blog folks, the, the ex-partners, Reed, whoever, like, do you feel like there were people there who genuinely wanted to call you on your shit, 
help you be a better Franklin? I think there are people who told themselves that. Okay. Uh, from what I've read and from the things that have happened since, I don't believe that that is actually the goal. Hmm. Um, what do you think the goal is? That's complicated. Um, I think that Eve wants to discredit me. And I think that Eve wants to isolate me from my social group. And the reason that I say that is that when I left Eve, um, I started to come to terms with something that I really was not willing to admit during the years that we were together, which was that she was mistreating me. She was. Why didn't you want to? Why didn't you want to accept that fact? That is a really good question. So I have like, you know, I've read about abuse survivors. I've talked about the patterns of abuse and the cycle of abuse. I've, you know, I've gone to conferences about this, but when I was in it, I couldn't see it. And I think part of the reason that I couldn't see it was that parts of the relationship were amazing and we were really good together. We were creative together. We accomplished a lot of really amazing stuff together. And because of that, I didn't want to see that when she flew into a jealous rage and started hitting the wall next to me, uh, when she flew into a rage at a conference and started screaming at me in front of her professional peers, that this was actually mistreatment. Okay. It took me a long time to get there. And in fact, there was actually a day early on when I started seeing my therapist, when I was talking about something that had happened in the relationship, this thing that Eve had done, and my therapist said, I want to stop you right there you do recognize that what you're describing was done to you is abuse, right? Hmm. And I was like, holy shit. And I didn't want to see it. So it took me a while to get there. And as I was starting to see it, I started talking about it on Quora. And then I think the same thing happened as what happened when Eve's ex-girlfriend posted her um, her story, her, her uh, yeah, abuse yeah, yeah, survivor yeah. story. Eve cannot accept that she may have been abusive. She has this huge shame response. I mean, she was so, so do, angry. Do you, do you think that? Do you think there's a conspiracy against Franklin Vell? I don't. I think that Eve. But you, 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 it sounds like. And look, I, and I'll, I'll say this: from reading, I, I did read all the testimonials, but mm-hmm. only not only after you agreed to do this because I felt like I should like inform myself. I know I'm just a comedian with a fuck show, but it's like I don't know. I could, I could probably try on this one. I could tell that there's clearly some shit w- between you and Eve that is now not all out in the open. I uh, I come from divorced parents. I saw some. I see stuff. I read things that you said. I read things that you said that like I skeptical of. And I read stuff, but I also read somewhere in there like there's something here. But even if we took that out of the equation, if we took you and Eve completely out of all of this. There's a lot of stories with overlapping similarities. I, I I frequently say to the Cosby truthers, I'll be like, look, even if 90% of them are lying, it's still like five, six chicks the dude finger banged when they were sleeping. So it's like, even we took Eve out of this, it's like, do you truly believe that there's a coordination of these women lying? Do you, do you I do believe not. that they're lying? No, I do not believe that they're lying. I believe that they are sincere. Okay. I believe that they believe they are telling the truth and I believe that they are telling their emotional truth. So is there absolutely so taking Eve out of the equation? Because like I said, I, I appreciate and I do believe that there's stuff there that not everyone in in that there's there's uh some of the stuff's not in that spreadsheet, which is a wonderfully color shout out to Louisa for the that color code spreadsheet. It's a truly poly work of art. Um the poly people in their spreadsheets are, are incredible. But 
It's like, let's take Eve out of the equation. Like, is there something for you to learn from these stories, from these women that they do believe to be their truth and how they experience things? Of course there is. Absolutely. What, what's something you, you can take away from that experience having learned and maybe looking out for? Be more open with my partners about what's going on with me. Um, what, what would be like an example of that? Uh, for example, I tend, uh, as I said, to be non-confrontational. If there are things that I'm noticing in a relationship that are um, not working for me, I don't say so. Mm-hmm. And this allows problems to fester and fester yeah. and fester. It just sounds like, it's just so far from talking with you, it just sounds like it's a lot of stuff that happens to Franklin. For the most part. It's, I mean, we could take Eve out or keep Eve in. It's, it's, even just then, it's like, what can you learn from these experiences of women who who are sharing their story, their experiences of dating you. Um, and it's a lot of like, oh, I've learned, you know, just now you're like, I've learned, I need to speak up when I feel like something's happened to me that I don't like. What about what you do? Cause here's something, here's something I can relate to. I read your stuff. I, I read, I read, you know, the slim busy stuff. I read these stories and I was thinking like, I had two really bad public breakups. Mm-hmm. I got banned from two play party communities in New York City over over one of these breakups. Not for nothing. I didn't, I never went. I didn't really go to those parties, so it was a little weird. It's like you're banned from a thing you don't go to. But I'm like, okay, um, there were big bad public. I lost friends over it. Um, you know, I had an ex who sent me a suicidal text message at six in the morning, and then I called her father, and you know. Uh, then she posts on Facebook, Billy Presida is telling my my family members that I'm suicidal, and then like went on a whole thing. And I'm like, I mean, I have the I have the text here, um, but even with the things that you know, with the things that I could point at my other two partners, my, my two past partners about, I always have maintained I could have been a better boyfriend, mm-hmm. and I've always been looking out for like where could I have done better because I want to do better for the next person. I hope that I've learned some shit that's helping that's helping me be a somewhat tolerable partner to Megan. And and should I be fucking up here and should something go wrong, I hope that I'll glean something that will make me a better boyfriend for the next gal. But I'm still not I'm not hearing anything about what you do. I'm hearing about what happens to you. You sound like a very passive figure in a lot of this and that was actually one of eve's complaints in our relationship is that i am a passive figure in my relationships I mean, you, it seemed like a passive that, figure you do wear the bunny ears a lot. yeah and he, that is true he is literally wearing the bunny ears i am wearing right bunny here. ears right now and that is true i am more passive than active in my relationships and that puts a lot of stress on my partners because my partners then have to be the ones who make the decisions who um who steer the relationship i don't advocate for my needs i tend to, oh man, <laughs> I do not stick up for one my partners uh, if my other partners have a problem with them. And that is actually a really big deal. And that was a shitty, shitty thing I did from the start of this. But we're still dealing with things other people are doing. That is, and, and that's an observation. I'm not going to grill and hammer you until you like, you know, have a Jack Nicholson, you know, red alert moment <laughs> or something. I'm just, I'm just, and that's just what I'm noticing in your language use. It's a lot of happens to Franklin things other people do. How'd the accountability pod go? The accountability pod um, has been an interesting, interesting experience. And that was another thing that I did was put together an accountability pod. Um, well, you weren't, and I wouldn't have been either at the time, but it's like a, it was very interesting seeing like your first reaction to the call-in letter. Your first public reaction was a like not pleased with it, but then the next day you're like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna do an accountability pod." So mm-hmm. like, what happened? 
if you could tell us, like, if, if you would share, how did you feel getting the first call, like the calling letter initially? And then what happened in between the, if I may sum it up like this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what happened between like the fuck this post and the like, I'm going to form an accountability post? Like what happened in that 24 hours? What that happened was, really was, so the first, when I first got this call in, I was like, oh God, she is doing the same thing that she did to her ex-girlfriend. And I want to put this out there because I don't know if I've believed that I've made this clear or not. Mm. I believe that Eve is an abuser. I believe that Eve is physically abusive. I believe that she is emotionally abusive. I believe that she is economically abusive. Uh, and I believe that she is verbally abusive. Mm. All of these things were things that were in my relationship. And let me tell you this. I see, and I, I read, I could see it in the writing and I saw it in your face in a moment. I believe there's some shit between you and Eve that has not been on the up and up on both sides. And I'll tell you that I do believe that. How, and if, if I had the opportunity to uh, interview Eve, I'd, I'd have her here and we'd talk about her too. Um, but I'm more, I'm more interested talking to you about Franklin. I almost like, you know, when I was driving up the park, I had a long drive from San Francisco to here. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, I don't think the stuff with Eve actually even matters in what I'm most curious about. So I do, I want to let you know, I appreciate that there's some shit going on. Mm -hmm. I believe that y'all have both done some things with each other that have harmed each other. And so if I almost want to take Eve out of it, because well, there's all these other people involved who like clearly have had some experiences. Man. Well, you asked me how I felt. Okay. Imagine that somebody hit you and mm -hmm. then came forward and said, you abused me, yep. you're a bad person. I and so when I first saw this thing and um, I left Eve after she hit me and she did hit me, um, when I first saw this call out, I was like, oh God, this is her attempting to continue to engage with me. Because when I left, what I tried to do was cut off all contact. Okay. And I tried to just cut it off clean. I didn't want to uh, call her out. I didn't want an accountability process. I didn't want a social justice system. You just wanted I wanted like, her just out of my life. That's done. Boom. So Which if y'all hadn't written the fucking poly book, like the, the big poly book, probably would have just, that pro is probably what would have happened. Uh, I don't know, because we started a business together and a lot of this is actually her trying to push me out of the business. Mm. But besides that, um, and when we wrote the Big Polly book together, actually, when I first told my Portland girlfriend that I was writing a book with Eve, my Portland girlfriend was like, watch out. If it's successful, Eve is going to try to discredit you and take all the credit for that book. Why and I was like, that? And I was because Eve was from the beginning of my relationship with Eve, Eve was extremely hostile and abusive to her. That's one of the things I did wrong. I let that happen. And that was shitty. That was incredibly shitty. Um. But anyway, so yes, I got this call out. Yeah, you got. Well, you, I guess they call it a call in these days. Or whatever. Yeah, so I was like, this is a person who has abused me, a person who has mistreated me, a person who has a history of flying into rages, breaking my stuff, um, going into jealous rages and smashing things. Uh, she went into a jealous rage and destroyed my wedding photo so, with so my get, wife. So, so you get the call-in letter and, and you're then I'm like, And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Seriously? And then I was like, okay, but you know the, what? What's that feeling? What's the, what's the, what's the emotion? Because that because you got to be kidding me can be so many different things. Um, horror, anger, a little bit of anger, um, surprise, and just a lot of incredulity. Like I cannot believe that this person has treated me this way and is now doing this to me. And then I said, okay, maybe 
there's still something I can learn from this. She's saying, oh yeah, your other partners have these complaints. Mm -hmm. I need to focus on that. I really need to pay attention to that. That's what you said to yourself. Yes. So there was there was an openness to learning, not from the Eve shit, because like I said, yeah. we've, we, we, we will at least agree that there's some other shit going on. Um, but you see that there's other people and you're like, okay, what can I glean from them? Yes. And then I put together the accountability pod uh, and my accountability pod reached out to her accountability pod. Um, simultaneously with all of this, there were also ongoing legal issues because um, Eve is trying to push me out of the company that we co-founded. Yeah, the divorce going on. There's, there's stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. So then at that point, my lawyer was like, you know, until this legal stuff gets sorted, I want you to have no contact with Eve or anybody in Eve's circle. When was that about? Uh, that was Just actually shortly after I put the pod together. Um, okay. So I stopped. I made a, a couple of posts on Facebook, and then I deleted one of them, and I made a post on uh, Quora, and then I deleted that. And I don't remember exactly what that is, but my lawyer was like, look, you two have Your lawyers like, this is how people get fucked over by making posts. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure if he was their lawyers, he'd also be saying, hey, everybody, stop making posts. Yes. So my lawyer said... Don't talk about this on social media. Don't engage mm. with Eve. Don't engage with her pod. Don't engage with this social justice process. Don't do anything. Don't say anything until we get this legal stuff sorted out. Publicly, he says. Yeah. And so, and I, you know, I had a really- She says. My lawyer is a she. Oh, I, you know what? They're calling out my sexism. <laughs> there you go. Good. Thank you. Um, something I, you know, I had a conversation actually yesterday with someone who is familiar with all this process. It was like, the the accountability pods don't have to, the the work itself doesn't have to be public, just there has to be the transparency that stuff is happening. Mm -hmm. So what what couldn't you guys have this? Couldn't you couldn't your lawyer have gone? Hey, just cut it out with this publicly and been like, all right, and I'm gonna have these conversations with people privately. I'm gonna have conversations with my accountability pod members. Oh yeah, and, and those the, conversations and with my accountability pod have been ongoing. In fact, I've had okay. one a couple of days ago. That has not stopped. Okay. That has so, not stopped. So do you consider yourself still in a process? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But just not under like their form. But nobody is talking about it in public and it is not being controlled by Eve. Okay. But yeah, like I said, my pod is still working together and uh, I talked to them a few days ago. So yeah. Have, I'm still seeing my therapist. Have any of them told you some uncomfortable truths? Oh, yeah. Like what? Um, like the fact that I'm passive. That's the thing that keeps coming up quite a bit. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> I, I see that. And that is something that I am working to address in all of my current existing relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, they have also reached out to Eve's ex-girlfriend and extended her an apology for the part that I played in Eve discrediting her and um, having her exiled from the community. So what, um, what from, you know, you, you express like, I could maybe learn from these other stories of these other women who aren't Eve. Did you end up finding some stuff in there? Did you see, notice, again, besides the passivity, because I think we were all picking up your passive guy and maybe trying not to be as much, but is there anything else in all these stories where you noticed a pattern of something you did or that you were, you know, you're like, oh, I, been, can, I look at that. That has been really, really difficult because be difficult. as I, I have that. been reading that, and I, ha I will say that at one point I did actually stop reading the Survivor stories. Because they're, I don't think that they are deliberately set out, setting out to lie. There are things in those survivor stories that are factually, demonstrably untrue. Okay. And it is very difficult to read somebody tell what is essentially a falsehood about you. So what, what kind of advice would you give someone in a, in a similar position? Pay attention to the early signs of abuse. 
uh, if I had done that with Eve, we wouldn't be here. Okay. What if somebody gets to the point where the they get to the call in the I guess the call in the call out whatever they get to that point? What, what, what would be? Your that advice? is a really really difficult question to answer, and the reason that I say that is that we have moved from. Um, if I can quote my therapist, we've moved from a system where the default assumption was never believe abuse reports to a system where the default assumption is always believe abuse reports. Which we just saw with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Without ever passing through, listen to abuse reports, think about them, engage your brain, and try to find out if they are true or not. Mm-hmm. A, fr- a friend of mine, Trina, who she's been on the podcast and she um, she taught me something that was big that helped me with just exactly that. Because I also, you seem like a very left brain analytical guy. Me, me as well. Very left brain. It's got me in a lot of trouble. And something she taught me was that like we can deal with the, um, we can emotionally tend to someone who claims that they've been abused or harmed or something like that. And separately from that process also... Um, look objectively you know i mean if it was a criminal justice system investigate mm-hmm. whatever just however it is we can look at the what objectively happened separate from tending to the emotions of that person because like whether you know someone says i was raped if if we had a video camera and audio and all this stuff and we could without beyond a reasonable doubt be like this was not a rape that person still probably that's still, that person still experienced yeah. that, that person has experienced to be yeah, exactly to on those exactly. things mm-hmm. um I don't know. It's like I said. It's having so many people. It's 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 interesting to me to hear you say it's it's not a conspiracy, but they're also not telling the truth. That not everything they're saying is factually correct. That's not the okay. same thing. And I do believe that, that they are. That many of the things they're saying are true. What are they saying that's true that you can learn from to be a better Franklin? Well, a great example is the condom thing. I fucked that up, and I own that. Is there anything about, you know, is there anything about the type of partners that you end up with? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I don't know. I shouldn't say end up with because, again, these aren't things that happen to you, Franklin. Like the partners that I choose. I have. uh, So a couple of the people in the uh, who have done these stories self-identify as monogamous. Mm -hmm. Clearly not a good partner choice for me. Yes. This would be a mistake you made a few times. (laughs) Particularly in the time when I was, you know dating two self-identified monogamous people at the same time. And the fact that you have other partners doesn't necessarily mean that you don't self-identify as monogamous. I don't quite understand that, but there it is. And, what, you know, and is Celeste it? was like, she said in her call out, this was not the life I wanted. Yeah. She's right. Yeah. She's right. She wanted a monogamous relationship. She was not a good choice for me. I screwed up. Um, what, what, makes was, you, what makes you, uh, you know, what makes you look at, you know, meet someone really pretty, you hit it off, you're like, oh, this is a person I want, I want to date, I want her to be a sweetie, and and then you find out that they're not, like, what makes you go, oh, we can make this work? I don't anymore, and okay. I will never, ever date a monogamous person again. I will never date a person with an anxious attachment style again, mm-hmm. and that was something that I learned from all of this is not a good match with me. All of the people involved in this call out, anxious attachers. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you mentioned the you know, the way the pendulum has swung right in society with you know how we look at things like Me Too or or or, or call outs allegations etc. You know what what do you think of 
of some of the situations that have been happening in the public eye. I, you know, what do you, what do you feel like? What, how do you, how do you feel about those situations? I mean, I feel like most, for the most part, we have lived in a society for a really, really long time that treats women like shit. Mm. Full stop has excused really reprehensible behavior, particularly on the part of men toward women mm. has made a, cultural environment where it's easy for men to get away with mistreating women and has shit on women who said, hey, that dude mistreat me, mistreated me. I absolutely think that that has happened. And I think that that is something that has very deep roots in contemporary society. You know, we mentioned the, the types of partners that you choose. And so the clear monogamous ones is cool. What about the and this is something I personally am, am working on. I, and I think I found my sweet spot with it. But just the idea of like, you know, what is your ethic for dating people or fucking people who, you know, admire you or who are fans of your work? Because, you know, at this point and it, even over the last bit of time uh, on Live Journal, Quora, you know, like I said, hundreds of millions of views, which is insane to me. I wish I had such numbers. It, Clearly, people see you as, I mean, you're Franklin Bow, Dude, I, yeah, I'll be honest that's with you. really messed up, and I, I don't I, like it. I, I didn't even read more than two, not for nothing, but even I'm like, I've always was like, oh, yeah, that's Franklin Bow. He knows all the poly stuff, mm. right? Similar with Reed. Reed. Reed Malk was like, I mean, that's the sex ed guy, right? So there's, there's something about whether or not you want to be in a position of authority. You kind of put yourself there for answering so many questions. I and call then, things right, like you know? I see him, and if people like that, they like it, and if they don't, they don't, right, and right. it's all cool by and me. I, I don't like the idea of dating a fangirl. Okay. And Eve actually admitted to me after we'd been dating for a couple of years that she started out when we met but as a e fangirl. But again, even like, if we remove Eve, there are other women who yes. share who and are at the similar time, positions. Yes. And we're talking about women who have come forward after like what, 25 years. So I was not Franklin, you sure you Franklin Vo Franklin as as 25 not, years as ago. Not your counsel. <laughs> I want to advise you to not go with the, they're bringing up things from 25 years ago. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, oh, they're bringing up things from 25 years ago, blah, blah, blah. I'm saying 25 years ago, I was not Franklin Vo, author of the book. Sure. But and there's also so, people who from talking from 10 years ago and 15 years. I mean, like at at that time, you were on LiveJournal a lot, giving mm -hmm. advice, like a reasonable person in there who sees like your little stats or whatever. Is and I try avatar. very hard not to date people who are fans. I really, really do. In fact, one of what my partners in <laughs> uh, one of my partners, uh, ex partners in Chicago, for example, um, when we started talking, she had no idea who I was, and I was like, "Yes, that's awesome." She's never heard of me. But what do you mean, try not to date? Because like, can't you just like choose like? Oh choose yeah, not to? absolutely. And somebody who's a fangirl. Which, now, by the way, I, I don't. Think, I don't think you should have to not date people who are fan of your stuff. I just, I'm just curious if you had thought through an ethic. Oh like, yes, my ethic absolutely. Is, I've decided like. Um, I don't want to be approaching fans. To oh, God, no. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's a murky area. <laughs> Jesus. We, don't, we don't tell rock stars not to do that, right? So I'm just like- We I should. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I know that what was going to make me sleep better at night was like, um, if people approach me and I'm interested, I'll play around with that and make sure like expectations mm -hmm. have been managed- um, but you know, I, I was like, okay, I'm not going to approach. And I was just curious what, yep. like, and that's that something is, you would. And I, for example, um, I had an experience with, uh, a person that I met at a convention, a poly convention, mm -hmm. and, um, she flirted with me at the convention. And then we started talking after, um, the convention was over. She got in touch with me online on uh, Facebook messenger and 
you know, and you've actually pointed out, you know, this is a really potentially dangerous situation and I want you to stop talking to this person. It's like, so yeah, I but did. she, she likes me. I'm, yeah. she's like, oh my God, it's Franklin. Oh my God, it's Billy. I'm like, ugh. yeah, oh my God, me. I mean, you go, oh, I, it, it does make me go like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty. Uh, and then I have to like, check. it does not do that to me. It does it, it, it feels I, a little creepy. I have to check there's, myself on it, but no, like, it there's feels this good. weird thing that happens because they assume that they know you because they've seen you talk or they've yeah. re- read what you've written. They don't. They don't know you. You can never know a person just through what they write or what they say. Mm-hmm. And so there's this assumption of knowledge and this assumption of intimacy that is actually, it feels a little creepy. Um, and so I actually, I stopped talking to her and that was a thing that I did wrong. I completely cut her off. Like I didn't respond to her at all on, uh, on messenger and that hurt her. Mm-hmm. And that was actually really shitty. And what I should have done was I should have, you know, owned that and taken responsibility for it and said, look, I need to stop talking to you and here's why, mm. but I'm passive. So I didn't. So I cut them off. And then, uh, <laughs> she, after I left Eve, Eve went to her and was like, oh, Franklin hurt you. He hurt me too. And now they're BFFs, even though Eve was like, you know, you should stop talking to her. So that was, that was a little fucked up. And I managed it really poorly. And I didn't own that, even though Eve was the one telling me to stop talking to her, that I was the one making the decision to do that. And I did, I just like left her on red on Facebook, which is crummy mm-hmm. and shitty. And yeah, that was kind of a crap thing that I did. How, how many, how many partners you got right now? I have, I am married. Okay. Um, and so I have a wife and I have a uh, living partner here in Portland. Okay. Uh, I have a partner who lives in Manchester and I have a uh, delightful woman that we don't call ourselves partners. We call the thing that we have a situationship rather than a relationship who lives in <laughs> that's, London. That's cute. Um, you, yeah. Popular guy. It seems like you always have like a lot of partners when your relationships tend to last a really long time uh-huh. they accumulate yeah um like w- like on average how many and when we say partner this makes sure we're speaking the same english language like what's your definition of like a, a partner partnership um a romantic partner that i have an expectation of continuity with and um a a romantic relationship with so when when i ask you partners that doesn't even count um maybe like casual sexual partners. i don't have any casual sexual partners yeah no, no, i'm not into casual sex interesting okay. I, in fact i turn down offers of sex a lot more often than i accept them a lot more often than I accept them. Mr. Casanova. <sighs> yeah. But my partners, my relationships tend to last like, you know, 10, 15, 18 years. It is rare that they don't last that long. Like I think of a partner as a new partner when we've only been together for five years. Right. So it, it was odd because like there was the, the two gals, the, the lesbian uh, kittens, the pet, pet lesbians. Right. So like that seemed like it was they I mean they had only met you the one time, right, or something. Yeah, I think we've been in the same room twice. Right. So like what was what was that? Like was that did you consider them partners? No. They were friends. Mm-hmm. And not interested in men, obviously. Sure. But <laughs> yeah, no, they the uh they were not partners in any romantic or sexual sense of the word. What's your what's your goal in dating? Long term Stable, committed romantic relationships where we create more. I really like creative partners. Uh, I really like smart partners. I like partners that I build things with. Mm. Uh, co-creation is one of my love languages. My um, The person that I'm in this situationship with in uh, London, we are currently writing several books together. Are we they have, on Polly? No. Oh, no. They're fiction. Okay. That's a, that's yeah. a, 
Smart move. Uh, we, have, we have uh, two novels coming out next spring, and we have a novel coming out in spring of 2022. The Man War Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical, paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHOR. All right, so that was my first, uh, that was the first part of my conversation with Franklin Vo. Uh, just a few notes to make over here. You know, he, he mentioned the, the pod members, the accountability pod. Um, I spoke to two members of his accountability pod leading up to our interview. From what I can tell, uh, from the pod members, it, it seems fairly inactive. He, he claims he talked to them recently, but I spoke to a woman one or two days, um, before, the interview and and she seemed to suggest that it's not as active anymore but that's all i got that's the information i got for you since this recording uh franklin vo has put out a post um he's put out a post addressing eve's allegations and the the survivor pods allegations uh eve has responded so uh you can go to franklin's website to check that out if you want to and you can read eve's responses on her twitter feed at eve rickert that's E-V-E-R-I-C-K-E-R-T. And uh, Franklin's site is uh, tacit.livejournal.com. That's T-A-C-I-T dot livejournal.com. Uh, next week, you will get part two of my uh, chat with Franklin. We're going to get into it a little bit more. Um, I would love to know what you thought so far, folks. Okay, the email addy is manwhorepond at gmail.com. You can send it all over there. I hope you're following me on the socials. Uh, I'm on Twitter at TheBillyProceda. I'm on Instagram at BillyIsProceda. And we always love it when you go smash that like button on the Man Whore Podcast Facebook fan page. Tomorrow, my $7 and up fan whores are going to be invited to an exclusive monthly Man Whore Munch on the Zooms. Uh, going to have a little chit-chat, going to hang out, going to connect with each other. I think we're going to play a little Never Have I Ever. You can become a member today at patreon.com slash Podcast. Join in time for tomorrow. I think we're starting at uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern time. I got to check. But my patrons know. Stay safe. Stay smart. Stay sane, everybody. And as always, stay slutty. Stay <laughs> slutty.